You can read these stories and find out more about our books at blackandeducation.com. In 1834, on January 1st, Frederick Douglass made his way to the home of a man who was supposed to break him. Now, Everett Colby was a small man who believed in harsh treatment as a way of making sure enslaved people would be forever obedient. You see, Frederick Douglass had recently gotten back from a forced stay in Baltimore, where he was able to teach himself how to read and write. He got back to St. Michael's, which is along Maryland's eastern shore of the Chesapeake Bay, and he began to try to help others to learn to read and write. He also did various things to try to find food because he was often hungry. All this led Thomas Auld, his owner, to send him to a man named Edward Covey to make sure he would be broken. Almost immediately, Frederick Douglass began to receive beatings from Edward Covey. Now, Douglass was only about 17 years old at the time. Edward Covey believed that harsh violence was a way of making enslaved people become obedient and making sure the people who were sent to him were properly broken. Frederick Douglass was subject to these violent attacks for a long period of time while he was with Covey. During the first six months, he was beaten so often, worked so hard, and was downtrodden to such an extent that he was just about a broken man. However, on one hot August day, he was working in the treading yard with the other men as the horses trot out the wheat from the straw with their feet. Douglass's job was to bring the wheat to the fan while the other men performed the task needed to complete the treading. Colby promised the men that they could have an hour added to their night's rest if they finished the job an hour before sundown. Douglas and the other men worked extra hard to finish the day's work, but, about, but at about 3 o'clock, Frederick Douglass became very ill. His head began to hurt and he began to feel dizzy. He then collapsed and fell on the ground. Edward Colby noticed the stoppage in work and came out to see what was happening. One of the other men explained that Frederick was no longer able to carry the wheat to the fan, and since each person had a specific role to fulfill in order to complete the job, the work had come to a halt. Covey found Frederick Douglass over on the side, and after hearing his story, he kicked him in the side and told him to get up. Frederick was so well-trained, if you will, that he tried to comply, even though he felt physically unable to stand. He tried to get up, but he fell back down. Edward Covey then kicked him again and told him to stand. He was unable to get up, but when he tried to bend down to pick up the tub he was using to carry the wheat, he fell down again on the ground. Edward Colby then picked up a slab of hickory wood, a big piece of wood, and he smacked Frederick right over the head with it, saying, if you have a headache, then this will cure you. The blood began to gush down Frederick's face, and he was again commanded to get up. Colby then saw that Frederick was not able to stand, so he left him there and went back to oversee the work. The bleeding, though, strangely made Frederick Douglass feel better. It made his head feel a little bit better, and he was finally able to to regain some of his strength. Douglass decided to go back to Thomas Hall to tell him what was going on, thinking that he might get some type of sympathy. He walked seven miles to St. Michael's, tired and still bleeding, and sore from the blows that he had received from Kobe. Once he got there, he walked into Thomas Hall's store. His hair was matted with blood, his feet was torn by thorns, and the back of his shirt was soaked with blood. Thomas Auld listened to all that Frederick had to say. He contemplated, and he decided decided that he had no doubt that Frederick deserved the flogging. He deserved the beating. If if ever Covey had beaten him, it was for good reason. Auld told Frederick he was not really sick, and he was just trying to get out of work, and that his dizziness was really laziness. He let Frederick stay the rest of the night, but he told him that he had to return to Covey the first thing in the morning. Then he gave him some Epsom salt to drink. In the morning, Frederick left. He reached Covey's farm at about 9 o'clock that morning. 
Before he made it to the house, however, because he was still in the field area, Edward Colby jumped out and attacked Frederick. He had been waiting for him. Colby had a whip made out of cow skin and a rope, which he intended to use to tie Frederick up. Frederick Douglass was quick enough, though. He dodged Colby and dashed back into the woods into the cornfield to hide and was able to get away. Everett Colby was upset because he could not find Frederick. He didn't know where he was, so he went back to his house to wait him out. Frederick Douglass was alone in the woods and stuck in a very dangerous situation. He determined it was a good place to start to pray. He decided to pray for deliverance, but he doubted the effectiveness of prayer, since people like Edward Covey and Thomas all prayed to the same God, and because he had, not neglected, because he had neglected praying for so long. He could stay there and starve because he hadn't had much to eat since the day before, or he could go home and face the lashes that Edward Covey was sure to give him. This was a difficult decision, because he knew that he was going to be beaten to a pulp no matter what. He stayed there all day and into the night. He reasoned that if ever Colby was waiting for him to come back, he was probably waiting for hunger to drive him home. Then suddenly he heard footsteps coming toward him in the woods. He could do nothing because he had no strength. He suddenly noticed the person who was standing over him was someone he knew and someone he liked. It was a man named Sandy, a man who was an enslaved man who had been hired out to a man named Mr. Kemp, and he was on his way to visit his free, his free wife who lived nearby. He was overjoyed to see a friendly face instead of Edward Colby coming to torture him. Sandy decided to take Frederick Douglass with him to his wife's home. While there, Sandy's wife gave him something to eat and he was able to regain his strength. Sandy also gave him something else. Sandy was born in Africa and he still held on to some of his traditional beliefs. He told Frederick Douglass that he could help him, that there was an herb in the woods that if worn on his right side would protect him and with that root on him, no man could whip him. Now, Frederick thought this was ridiculous. He didn't think that a root could protect him. Frederick was one of the few people, one of the few enslaved people in the area who could actually read and write. Sandy told him that all of his book learning had not kept Kobe from hitting him, and so what did he have to lose? Frederick thought maybe he had a point, and he didn't want to offend Sandy, so he took the herb. Sandy then encouraged him to go back to Kobe's farm bravely as if nothing had happened. It was Sunday morning. As Frederick entered the yard, he met Kobe and his wife. They were on their way to church, and Covey said to him that the pigs had gotten out into the lot, and he wanted Frederick to drive them out. He then asked Frederick how he was doing. This, ad- this astonished Frederick. Co- Ever Covey had never spoken to him in that manner before. He was not sure if his kindness would last, but he got his answer in the morning. Well before the sun came up, Frederick was told to go take care and feed the horses that were in the stable. While climbing up into the loft, Ever Covey snuck into the stable and grabbed Frederick by his leg. He was carrying a rope, and he tried to tie a knot around Frederick's legs. Frederick forgot all about the root he was carrying, and he remembered only his earlier pledge that he was not going to let anybody beat him, that he was going to stand up for himself and defend himself. He did not let Kobe tie him up, but Kobe was still able to get him on the ground. Frederick then said, Whence came the daring spirit necessary to grapple with a man who... Eight and forty hours before, with his slightest word, could have made me tremble like a leaf in a storm. I know not. At any rate, I was resolved to fight. And what better still, I was actually hard at it. My strong fingers were firmly attached to the throat of my cowardly tormentor. Now keep in mind that Frederick was only about 17 years old himself at the time. Frederick felt Covey's blood around his fingernails, not actually hitting him, but not allowing Covey to break free either. Edward Covey asked him, are you going to resist, you scoundrel? To which Frederick replied, yes, I am. Covey then began to yell for help. 
Covey's cousin, who was staying with him, heard his cry and came to help. The young man tried to tie Frederick's right hand while Frederick still had a hold of Covey with his left. Frederick Douglass then kicked him, which sent the young man off running away in pain. Covey then again asked Frederick if he was going to resist him, and Frederick firmly communicated that the torture he received during the previous months was barbaric and that he would stand it no longer. The two wrestled out of the stable and, and into the cow yard. Bill, one of the enslaved men who was hired to work on Covey's farm, came by and noticed the scuffle. Covey called to Bill for help. Bill pretended as if he didn't hear him at first, but he eventually told Covey, my owner hired me here to work, not to help you with Frederick. Frederick then added to the conversation by saying, Bill, don't you come over here and put your hands on me. Bill replied, my God, Frederick, I'm not. And then Bill left. Now it was just Frederick Douglass and Edward Covey alone again. Suddenly, Caroline, who was an enslaved person who was owned by Edward Covey, came down to the cow yard to milk. She was a strong woman, and she could have given Frederick a run for his money. Covey ordered her to come and help to do Frederick, but she, just like Bill, refused to help. Covey hit her several times, but still he had Frederick to contend with. The two struggled for over two hours. After a long while, Covey let go of his hold of Frederick, and he told Frederick, Now you scoundrel, go do your work. I would not have had to whip you so much if you hadn't resisted. Now, Covey had not actually whipped Frederick at all. He had not drawn any blood from Frederick Douglass, but he felt he had to save face some kind of way. Douglass, on the other hand, felt he was victorious because his only goal was not to be whipped by Edward Covey that day, and he was not. Douglass later wrote, This battle was the turning point in my life. It rekindled in my breast the smoldering embers of liberty. It revived in me a sense of my manhood. I was a changed being after that fight. I was nothing before. I was a man now. Now, Frederick Douglass also later said that a man without force is without the essential dignity of humanity. Now, Frederick Douglass remained with Edward Covey for another several months after that fight. And although there were many verbal threats, Edward Covey never put his hands on Frederick Douglass ever again.